0: July 17th. As we look into the New Testament today, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. We'll see how Abraham was saved. Not by works, but by faith. Salvation is not like wages that you earn or works that you can boast about. Abraham was not saved by keeping the law because the law had not been given. Nor was he saved by obeying a religious ritual. It was all by God's grace. We'll see how David was saved. You know, David wrote Psalm 32 after his great sin with Bathsheba. Can God forgive a man who commits adultery, deceit, and murder? The answer, of course, is yes. When David repented and turned to God, he was forgiven. Even though the Lord allowed David to feel the bitter consequences of his sins, God justifies the ungodly, not the righteous. And you will see how you can be saved, simply by believing God's promise as Abraham did. Faith and promise go together just as law and works go together. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation physically. But He is the Father of all believers spiritually. At Calvary, our sins were put on Christ's account. When you trust Christ, God puts Christ's righteousness on your account. That's why we call the gospel good news. Now what can be more blessed than to know that your sins are forgiven? Hallelujah! And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. July 17th, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What were his experiences concerning this question of being saved by faith? Was it because of his good deeds that God accepted him? If so, he would have had something to boast about. But from God's point of view, Abraham had no basis at all for pride. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. When people work, their wages are not a gift. Workers earn what they receive. But people are declared righteous because of their faith, not because of their work. King David spoke of this, describing the happiness of an undeserving sinner who is declared to be righteous. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. Now then, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it for the Gentiles too? Well, what about Abraham? We have been saying he was declared righteous by God because of his faith. But how did his faith help him? Was he declared righteous only after he had been circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? The answer is that God accepted him first, and then he was circumcised later. The circumcision ceremony was a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are made right with God by faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised.
1: What is the simplicity of John the Baptist preaching? Here's Jesus! That's what he's saying. He's he's really only got two strings to his bow. Get baptized, and here's Jesus! This is a baptism for repentance of the forgiveness of sins. The one who is coming after me, the one to whom I'm pointing, the one on the other side of the river that my friends are concerned about because so many people are going to him. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The whole reason for my existence is to say, here's Jesus. Now, that's what the hymn writers have helped us with, hasn't it? "'Tis all my business here below to say, behold the Lamb." We're not here to impress people with our philosophy. We're not here to expound passages of Scripture and show them, this means that, and that verb was there, and that adjective is actually qualified, and this and that, the next thing, and people are bamboozled by it all, they don't really know what we're on about, and eventually we say, now let me give you three practical pointers to talk about over lunch. Nothing really has happened. Nothing has happened. That is not our objective. Our objective is to stand underneath the authority of the Word of God and say, this is the Word of God, this is the story of salvation, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus Christ and live, as the unknown preacher said when Spurgeon was converted. You see, what we're aiming for under God is not that people get information with a few practical pointers but that they have a divine encounter with the living God through the Word of God by the power of the Spirit of God. That is what we long for. Where is the stillness at the end of our preaching? Where is the moment where even for a nanosecond somebody says, this is surely the Word of God. I must ponder here for a moment. Goodness gracious, you're can't—you going you to run over in the crush as you hear the immediate response to the Bible. Are you going for lunch? Did you get coffee? Have you seen what happened last night? And the preacher crawls down below and goes out on his way and back to his room. Or well, maybe that's just how I feel.